0: So this is my last Sunday preaching at West Main Baptist, which means I finally get to tell you people what I really think about you. So that's great. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Um, So uh, I have one very simple, uh, I hope kind of thorny question for you this morning, just to kind of get things started. And that is this. What is the difference between a Christian life and a life that is not Christian. What makes following Jesus any different from not following Jesus? This is a way of asking you this question. What's the point? I mean, what's the point of you or anyone following Jesus anyway? What's the difference between a Christian life and a life that isn't Christian? This is a very appropriate question, I think, for a man to ask who is preaching his final sermon for his people, his his tribe, his family of faith. In my final words, I have the opportunity to remind you what makes this whole thing so very special. So here at West Main, uh, we follow this preaching guide called uh, the lectionary. And what the lectionary does is it kind of methodically takes you every Sunday through the Bible. And in three years time, you basically cover most of the Bible. Uh, And it's a really neat thing. You know, uh, every Sunday you are learning the same scripture that millions upon millions of Christians all around the world are also learning. It helps us cover all the bases. Um, And so I just thought it was so, uh, uh, what a crazy coincidence that before I announced uh, uh, I was uh, departing and uh, all these things, we, we planned on, on having me preach on this Sunday. And uh, the, the lectionary had this scripture selected for today. So, so listen to these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 33 through 35. This is what it says. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I'll also tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. And it goes on to say, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. Thanks be to God for that very good word. This is how everyone will know you are my disciples if you have love for each other. This is what's supposed to make you different and distinct in this world. This is supposed to be the thing that makes the Christian life somehow different than the wider culture. This is supposed to be the point of the whole thing. Loving each other. Discipleship of Jesus is very, very simple indeed. We love one another in such a way that it is remarkable. Something worth remarking upon to the world around us. That people can tell we are disciples of Jesus not by your attendance on Sunday morning or your impressive religious accolades, not by how well you clean up your rough edges or how well you behave, not by how many times you've read through the Bible or how passionately you pray, not by whether you have the exact right theology or the exact right opinion on the culture wars, not by a lot of things that Christians themselves often say. It's just this one thing, this one very simple thing that is supposed to make the Christian life different. Our love for each other. And that should be the end. I should be done, but unfortunately you're stuck with me for just a few more minutes because I have this whole other thing I have to unwind here. And um, there's a problem, I think. The disappointing truth, for, in, in, at least as far as I can see it, is that love has become such a broad word in our modern culture that it is rendered almost useless sometimes. Like we love our mamas and we also love pizza and we also love, you know, good parking spots that prevent us from having to walk an extra 30 seconds into the store so, so this word uh, love becomes kind of diluted, all right? It becomes overused, it becomes abused, it becomes trivialized, it gets betrayed. I hear Christians say they love sinners with their lips, but in fact, a lot of the other things they say are not very loving at all. I hear religious people say that they love people who are different from them, but in fact, everything they say after that is not very loving at all. It's like, let me pound on you as hard as I can while I tell you I love you and say, trust me, this is for your own good. That kind of stuff. I often feel devastated by the ways that many Christians claim to love one another claim to love the uh, the world, and then so utterly betray that word, I love. Because the hard truth and reality is that it doesn't feel like love on the other side of the other things they say and do. So I want to tell you a story about Jesus, a good story And I will tell you that now when I find the right pages. Okay. All right. This is a story of when Jesus showed us, again, what he was really talking about when he used this word love. Okay? When Jesus answers this very important question, what is the difference between a life that is Christian and a life that is not? And this is how it goes. Jesus goes to this dinner party. And uh, they did this kind of thing all the time during his day. There'd be good food. There'd be good seats. There'd be good wine. And the hierarchy, hierarchy. there's another great word to try and say in front of 100 people. The hierarchy of honor was, was very strict in this very traditional society, right? So you had the most important people. And they would get the best seats and the best wine and the best food. And then the least important people would get the least of all of those things. People wanted to have the most important possible people at their dinner parties and the most loved, beloved and, and, and important people, they would get those best seats. And so uh, Jesus was talking to a group of his friends around him at this dinner party. And this comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. I'm going to read another scripture for you. Uh, And starting in verse 12, this is what it says. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, When you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your brothers or sisters. Don't invite your relatives. Don't invite your rich neighbors. If you do, they'll invite you back. And that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor. Invite the crippled. Invite the lame. Invite the blind. And you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, Happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Here in Luke chapter 14, Jesus shows us what his love really looks like in real life when it's no longer an abstract, cheap word that you can just throw around. Jesus shows us something real, something truly special and remarkable and meaningful in this world. I like this passage of Scripture because in just a few words, Jesus plainly says the thing he had been doing his whole ministry all across the Gospel of Luke, the love of Jesus is this kind of proactive, inclusive love—the love that brings people from the margins to the table. In Luke chapter six, the Sermon on the, on the Mount, Jesus asks you and I. He says, "If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love Him." If you do good to those who do good good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend, hoping to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. This, he is saying, this is the difference of a life that is Christian and a life that is not Christian. Jesus loved the Samaritans and the Gentiles and the Romans. The Syrophoenician, the Canaanite woman, every single ethnic, racial line of distrust, Jesus stepped across to proactively offer inclusive love like this. Jesus loved the disabled that everyone thought was cursed by God. Jesus touched the leper. He ate with the tax collector and the sinner. He stood in the circle with the woman accused of adultery. Jesus elevated women and all those that His culture was trying to hold down. He stared Judas in the face and He passed him the bread at His last supper together. The love of Jesus was usually polite and kind and nice. Yes, but... There was so much more to it than that. When Jesus says, by your love for one another, this is the kind of love He was talking about. Unlike so many people who talk a big game about their love, who talk a big game about their religious love, Jesus was actually saying something When Jesus said love, he really meant something. His love was proactive, his love was inclusive. And uh, proactive and inclusive, I, I, I consider those $10 words very abstract. So, what I want to do is just unpack those words just a little bit, okay? Proactive. What do I mean by proactive? Okay, if you look in the story from Luke chapter 14, Jesus talks about inviting. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to invite people to stuff. I want people to invite me. First of all, it's, it's a lot of work to host something, uh, particularly at my house, or to help create something even at church uh, 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 to invite people to. I was trying to say this sentence, not putting the preposition at the end of the sentence, and I couldn't figure it out really quickly. Um, I don't like to do the work, so, so it's better if other people will just invite me to stuff, Right? Secondly, and and maybe even more seriously, if I invite someone, I'm always afraid that I'm annoying them or I'm pressuring them. Or, Or maybe they'll tell me no and create kind of an awkward situation. But Jesus is very clear. He doesn't say, if you invite. He says, when. Jesus describes a love that is proactive, as in the opposite of inactive. Love sacrificially and bravely and vulnerably takes the initiative instead of just waiting around for it to happen. All across the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about proactively going out to find and welcome and bring in. Jesus talks about going into the highways and the hedges looking for people to invite to the party. Jesus talks about a woman who tears apart the whole house Looking for the coin that is lost, the shepherd that leaves the 99 for the sake of the one, the father who sees the prodigal son from a long way off and he runs out to him. That is the way of Jesus. This is the shape of love for disciples of Jesus proactive love. I think that practically speaking, this means that I need to learn to become a little more extroverted than I am naturally. Naturally, I'm not the kind of person who just walks up and introduces myself to strangers. I'm not one who's very good at, you know, starting up some small talk with folks. But I want to try to become a little bit better because that's being proactive. That's loving people in the way of Jesus. Instead of just waiting around for someone else to invite me into conversation or community, I want to be the one who does that for others. Practically speaking, being proactive looks like inviting people on the margins to fun and meaningful events at church. People actually want to be a part of this stuff. Like inviting people to things like VBS, okay? or youth group, or blessing of the backpacks in August, or trunk or treat, or uh, a Christmas Eve, or Easter Sunday, all of those things. People want to be included. Being proactive means telling your kid it's okay to bring over that friend who has a complicated situation back home. Being proactive means including someone on your invite list for the for the ball game, or the barbecue, or whatever. For no other reason other than they think other than you think they just need a friend. The love of Jesus is proactive. It is so proactive that the people around you notice and remark upon it. The people around you, they know you are a disciple of Jesus by it. It's a different way of living your life. What about inclusive? There's another big abstract word according to uh, the words of Jesus, right there in the text. Disciples of Jesus are not actually allowed to invite their friends or family or rich neighbors over for a party. Can't do it. Nah, it's not allowed. Don't do that anymore. Being inclusive means including whoever it is in your life that no one else is including Jesus teaches his followers to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, into their homes, into their family gatherings, into their church gatherings. These were people often assumed to be cursed or judged by God. Like these were people who had done some bad things and were rightfully being excluded. These were people who were hardly ever included in anything. And yet this is precisely what the love of Jesus looks like. Love is inclusive. Love pushes past your comfort zones to proactively include people who look different than you. To proactively include people who are poor. People who are knocked down. People who have been judged a failure or a risk by the culture. To proactively include all kinds of people who could not possibly pay you back. This is a very special and remarkable kind of love that we're talking about. Being inclusive is rarely easy or comfortable. You don't be inclusive because it's easy. Inclusive love requires courage. It requires sacrifice. It's probably going to be a stressful experience. And guess what, that's okay. Sometimes it's worth it to do stressful things. If you are inclusive, affluent people around you might wrinkle their noses and turn their heads and wonder what is wrong with you. You will not like that experience. You might wonder if you should not be so inclusive after all. But this is remarkable. This is special. This is something by which everyone around you will know you are a disciple of Jesus. When instead of inactively waiting for someone else to invite you, when instead of just inviting friends and family, you proactively include those on the margins, those who have been forgotten or neglected or are simply different from you. And this is part of why this is so crucial, so important. Because the people around us and in our generation, in our next generation, Who do not go to church. The people who work at Avert University or Sova Hospital or uh, live within one block of West Main Baptist Church who do not go to church, almost all of them find Jesus special and inspiring and awesome. Our generation's problem is not with Jesus. I think a lot of people are just struggling to connect the dots between participating in church and living out this message of Jesus. The litmus test of this church's spiritual health is not how many butts are in the seats or how many dollars are in the plate. It's not even how many people we baptized last year or will baptize the next. Jesus says that everyone will know you are my disciples by your love for one another the litmus test for this church's spiritual health is how proactively inclusive it is in its practice how much is west main baptist going out to bring people on the margins to eat at the table how well do you how well do you offer love and belonging to the homebound elders of our congregation? How well do you offer love and belonging to the orphan and the widow? Or the 20 year old trying to get through college without support from parents? How well do you offer love and belonging to people with different colors of skin? To people who are from a different generation? To people of a different economic class than you? I'm not asking about your opinions on anything. I'm I'm asking about your actual life, what you actually do with your life. When we share meals together, with whom do you sit? In the social world that you create in your city, in this city, in your home, with whom do you sit at the table? This is how everyone will know you are my disciples, says Jesus, by your proactive Inclusive love for one another. Don't forget that this remarkable way of Jesus is something that can change someone's life. You can change someone's life. People are spending their life in front of screens, on TVs, and phones and computers. They are numbing things they don't feel anymore with alcohol or worse. They are wishing they could be a part of something joyful and meaningful and compassionate. Your proactive, inclusive love can lead them back to friendship with other people and friendship with God. Less cable news and video games more abundant life in Christian community, loving one another. This is something that will heal the world if you will do it. This is something that makes the world a less lonely place. Rich and poor. Black and white. Democrat and Republican. Hokies and Wahoos and Tar Hills. Cat people, not cat people, all the different Enneagrams, whatever. We don't need to fix each other. In fact, we need to stop trying to fix each other. We just need to sit down at tables and eat high cholesterol food and tell each other funny stories and lift one another up and carry one another's burdens and bring one another back to God who is light and love and hope for everyone. That's what the world so desperately needs and cannot find anywhere but really the church, West Main Baptist Church. And the only way to create it is to put into practice the way of Jesus, the proactive, inclusive love of Jesus in your daily life and if you do that the world will know that you are his disciples your Christian life will be remarkable your Christian life will actually be different than your unchristian life I want to close with this once upon a time the people of West Main Baptist Church took the initiative and called me on the phone over in uh, Romania. And uh, Renella and myself and baby Charlie flew that baby across the ocean. I will never fly a baby across the ocean again. And we came to West Maine. And you did not shrug your shoulders and say hello. You didn't shake my hand And point me to a chair over there where I could sit down. You were outrageous. You celebrated us, you gave us furniture for our first home. You celebrated Charlie's first birthday just a few weeks after we arrived. You invited us into your homes. We had a one-year-old baby, and we were both working. Uh, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. We didn't have any time. We were both working full-time. We didn't have any free time to share with anybody. It's like we had nothing to offer, but you celebrated us. Like a prodigal son's father, you put a ring on our finger, you killed the fatted calf, and you celebrated us. And because you did that, because your love was so proactive and inclusive, eventually we were able to give back. I hope in important ways. You have always loved us. You compassionately loved us when pregnancy turned into miscarriage. You compassionately loved us when our son was born and in the hard days when we fostered little children. You compassionately loved us when our family members that we loved passed away. You always loved us so very well. This is the flywheel of West Main Baptist Church. This is the thing that keeps turning and turning and turning and making the whole engine of this place hum. The thing that people continue to find so magnetic about this place. This is the thing that changes the world and points people to Jesus. This is the thing that is so remarkably different from the way our wider culture is running things and yet is so desperately needed. And I am forever grateful for that. I am not leaving West Main Baptist Church. I am being sent If I am a good pastor in this world, it will largely be because of what God gave me through the proactive and inclusive love of this place. Let me read these words to you from the Gospel of John one last time. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. Amen.